It's been a huge pleasure and, um, and privilege to uh, have been one of the curators of the exhibition and it's equally been a, it's a huge um, pleasure and privilege to be one of the speakers today. I've been to many uh, such symposia and I've never found one uh, as stimulating as I found today. When the gallery asked me to talk today, I had to, to talk a bit about um, the Gullias and my book, Good Living Street. Um, I wasn't sure what to do. The book is 450 pages or something, and I've got 15 minutes. And it was um, really only when I was having lunch with uh, Christiane a couple of weeks ago when I was down to help with the installation of the exhibition that I worked out um, or some of his sort of responses to the book helped me work out um, what little slice of it I should talk about. <coughs> when my mother died in 2003 and I began exploring her cupboards, I found an array of family papers, including three diaries kept by, by my grandmother Gretel from July 1906 when she turned 10. These diaries cover the period from late 1913 when the Gulliers moved into their Hoffman rooms in the Vorlamgasse, or Good Living Street, in Vienna's fourth district, and hence provide a remarkable window on what it was like to live in a Hoffman apartment when it was new. These diaries are equally remarkable as a record of the values, aspirations, and fears of one of the major patron families of Vienna 1900. Here, just to give you a sense of them, is one page, all the more interesting because a piece of ivy picked by my grandmother Gretel in Vienna's Grinsing Cemetery on 16 March 1916 may rank as the oldest piece of ivy from Gustav Mahler's grave. <laughs> the episode recorded by Gretel in greatest detail was her courtship in 1914 and engagement in 1915 to a young Viennese engineer and architect, Norbert Stern. Their plan was that Norbert would design their apartment in his mother's house on the Untra Algartenstrasse in Vienna's second district, a location which must have caused Gretel's parents, my great-grandparents, Moritz and Hermine, significant distress, as the second district was Vienna's most Jewish district. And the fourth district where they had come to live was its least Jewish district. So the 18-year-old Gretel's move there would undermine the Gullia's conversion to Catholicism over the previous decade. Here's uh, Gretel a couple of years before in, um, in, in one of her ball seasons. And here um, is a much plainer 18-year-old Gretel. There's a version of, of this photograph which is inscribed March 1915, which was when she got engaged. As a young architect who had otherwise designed just one duplex in the outer Viennese suburb of Pertzleinsdorf, Norbert was intent on designing his new home. But Moritz and Hermina were contemptuous of his scheme for it. I am terribly hurt, Gretel wrote in late April. The parents have absolutely no hope for the apartment. By then, Moritz and Hermina were set without consulting either Gretel or Norbert on commissioning a very different home for them. 
Ten days later, they went about doing so at a dinner at the Vorlengasse, attended not just by Gretel and Norbert, but by Josef Hoffmann and Gustav Klimt, and two of their biggest patrons, the Moravian banker Otto Primovici and his wife Eugenia, who had only recently become the principal underwriters of the Wiener Werkstätte. Gretel was excited by the family's guests that night because while her parents had entertained both Klimt and Hoffman before, that evening was the first time as an 18-year-old that she was allowed to eat with them at the dinner table. Here is how the dining room would have looked, including one of the chairs, which the Felton Bequest has just acquired to mark the gallery's 150th anniversary and which is in the exhibition and which has been beautifully restored um, under Christian's supervision. Neither Norbert nor Gretel realised that while they retired to another of the Hoffman rooms, Moritz's smoking room, to have some time alone, and I imagine Pash a little, <laughs> Moritz and Hermina asked Hoffman to design six rooms in Gretel's and Norbert's new home. The young couple only realised that three days later when Norbert next came to the Vorlengasse for dinner. Over the next four nights, as Norbert returned again and again to the Vorlengasse, Moritz and he engaged in, this is quoting my grandmother's diary, the bitterest battle of principles for and against Hoffman. While Moritz, of course, was a devotee of Hoffman's work, Norbert was almost certainly an admirer of Adolf Laws and his different way to modernism, as Christian and Powell have put it. As Norbert identified a hundred flaws in Hoffman's work, he indicted the taste of Moritz and Hermina, implicitly condemned this Gallia apartment, the one you can see here in the exhibition, and expressed his abhorrence of the environment in which he had wooed and won Gretel. Gretel was particularly distressed by the conflict between Norbert and Moritz because, until her engagement, she'd always been so close to her father, describing him not just as her sweetheart, but also as the person she loved most, her Herz allerliebstes. She described the tempestuous disputation between her beloved father and her beloved fiancé as hideous, a disaster, a nightmare. But as she looked on without saying anything, or for that matter, being asked her opinion night after night for four nights, she also became bored by all their arguing, prompting her to describe it as oh so wearisome. When Moritz finally prevailed on the fourth night, Gretel wrote, Professor Hoffman is to design the apartment. I unfortunately do not know whether I should be happy about this. As far as I'm concerned, there was no one better at designing apartments than Hoffman, but Norbert is terribly against him and is very put out because he thinks that father has no confidence in him as an architect. I hope and believe that Norbert will accept this decision more easily than he expects and that everything will end well. Yet Gretel's resentment about the role played by her father was also patent in several other entries in which she described her relationship with her mother-in-law-to-be, Mrs. Stern, and her father. When Gretel became engaged to Norbert, she feared Mrs. Stern would be a stereotypical interfering mother-in-law. To Gretel's relief, Mrs. Stern confined herself to criticising Gretel's headwear and trying to improve it on a shopping expedition in the city, 
when despite the international campaign against the slaughter of birds for their plumes, she bought Gretel a small black hat adorned with egret feathers. Such experiences led Gretel to revise her opinion of Mrs. Stern until she was not at all afraid of her anymore and loved her more from day to day. This good fortune was offset by Morris's determination to govern how Norbert and she lived. With us, Gretel observed, father is the mother-in-law. <laughs> what part did Gretel and Norbert play in this commission after Moritz prevailed? When and how did they shape Hoffman's designs? Gretel's diary suggests that not just she, but also Norbert had no say. They neither talked directly to Hoffman about what they most wanted, nor discussed these matters with Moritz, so that he might pass on their requirements to Hoffman. While there is no record of what Moritz and Hoffman discussed, most likely Moritz simply specified which rooms Hoffman should design and how much he was prepared to spend, then left everything else to Hoffman. Hoffman produced the renderings for the six rooms at June, together with one of his assistants, Wilhelm Jornasch, whose work is also in the exhibition, who had already achieved significant reputation as a designer in his own right. The renderings included many features, such as diamond patterns, stylized rose sprigs, and circular mirrors, which were familiar to Gretel from her parents' apartment. The kitchen was much more austere than any room in the Vorlemgasse. Almost everything in it white, apart from black and white checkerboard floor. The other rooms were more decorative, as you can see here. When Gretel and Norbert received these renderings, the gulf between them grew. Gretel could imagine nothing better. I love Professor Hoffman, she wrote, and find the drawings especially beautiful. They filled her with almost unbearable enthusiasm. She was thrilled at the prospect of having a boudoir like this, exhibited for the first time, I think, with three of the other renderings, not in the main exhibition, but in the kids' space, opposite. So across... Oh, across from the main exhibition. So apart from going to the exhibition, you actually need to go into the kids' space where there is more Wiener Bergstetter um, material, including four of the renderings which Hoffman did um, for Gretel and Norbert. Norbert, on the other hand, fell silent when he saw the renderings. He was overcome by anger and resentment, then declared he could never he could never be happy in such an apartment, especially a smoking room like this. A few weeks later, Gretel broke her engagement with Norbert. It is easy for us to delight in the spectacular architecture and design of Vienna 1900 as we walk through the exhibition, to think of this design as an unqualified good. But here, as David Jaffe, a friend of mine who's a senior curator at London's National Gallery, observed to me in an email after reading Good Living Street, is something very different. Here, as David wrote to me, here we get divorce by Hoffman. <laughs> I, I hope that provides you with a taste of life in Good Living Street, and here you can see another piece of Klimtifying. 
Thank you.